Today on the Daily Gator Daily Thought, we've got a lot to cover. We got some really good sound bites. We've got students at the, uh, sadly, the University of Florida showing their complete unwillingness to assign any blame for what happened on 9-11 and uh, basically not wanting America to be taught as a great country or anything like that. Uh, very sad, my friends. Uh, we've also got a look at Eli Mistal. He's a contributor uh, at MSNBS and editor at something called AboveTheLaw.com. Uh, my buddy Dogenus is going to rip him to shreds, and she always does a marvelous job uh, putting left to center place and making you laugh while she's ripping them to shreds. It's greatness. It really is. Uh, how about a gaming company CEO? He stepped down, or did he get fired after a backlash because he dares to be pro-life? Oh, my God, not pro-life. We've got sports commentating knucklehead uh, Skip Bayless overreacting and losing his mind. The biggest problem I have with sports opinion shows it's all the damn virtue signaling and the building up of things and the things are not. Everything's got to be a big deal and everyone's got to yell and get really, really emotional over things that don't really matter. And as the NFL season opens the night with my defending Super Bowl champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on my Dallas Cowboys, hmm, two teams to root for, but one's going to win. It's going to be Tampa Bay. But anyway, folks, uh, we'll look at uh, the the knuckleheads in sports commentary. And we have a gigantic douchebag on CNN who's very, very butthurt because Donald Trump actually said that Robert E. Lee was a great general. Doesn't he know you can't say anything good no matter how noble and decent a man Lee was? And the idiots who know nothing about Lee continue to trash him. And let's move a monument. Let's get rid of a monument. Ignorance. Ignorance should not rule the day, my friends. Unfortunately, today, far too often, it does just that. All that more than the Delegator Daily Thought, the 125th edition. Stick with me. It's time to kick this pig, my friends. Welcome once again to the Daily Gator Daily Thought, my friends. Like I said in, in the intro, edition number one, two, five. And away we go. I may have touched on this yesterday, uh, but I wanted to to offer some perspective on uh, MSNBS Nutcase. Uh, a Miss Cross. She is a very cross person. And she's a very ugly person, frankly. And here's the deal with uh, Tiffany Cross on MSNBS, a new abortion law in Texas. And the deal is this. She actually conflates being 
uh, pro-life, if you claim to be pro-life, you can't really be pro-life unless you oppose allowing people to concealed carry or open carry uh, or carry without a, a permit from the state firearm. So in other words, self-defense is anti-life to this nutcase, apparently. So you can't be pro-life unless you are very much pro-abortion, which is completely lunacy, complete lunacy. And you cannot be, believe in the Second Amendment at all if you claim to be pro-life. The problem is simple, and it's this. Uh, Ms. Cross is crazy as hell. Uh, I think I actually put this on the blog yesterday, but listen to the sound bite here, my friends. All the crazy it just flows from from Miss Cross. It just absolutely flows, uh, my friends. Victory to abortion rights advocates when she temporarily blocked an anti-abortion group from enforcing the restrictive law against Planned Parenthood. Now, let's take a look at this new law. Not only does it ban the procedure after six weeks of pregnancy, before many women even know they're pregnant, but it also provides no exceptions for rape or incest. And it relies on citizens, regular citizens just like you and me, to enforce it, basically letting them sue anybody who helps a woman get an abortion. And it awards them 10 stacks if they succeed. The most pernicious thing about the Texas law it sort of creates a vigilante system where people get rewards to go out to, anyway. And it just seems, I know this sounds ridiculous, almost un-American, what we're talking about. President Biden says the Justice Department is looking at the legality of the new restrictive abortion law. But this is a huge blow to Roe v. Wade. It has spurred Democratic leaders to try to codify the protections into federal law after the Supreme Court just allowed it to stand. But no surprise, other states are already working to use the law as a blueprint for copycat measures. And Texas lawmakers have advanced yet another restrictive bill limiting access to abortion medication. But honestly, you guys, it's the hypocrisy for me. These Republican lawmakers fix their mouths claiming they're pro-life, but they allow Texans to carry guns with no permit or no training, they're against the life-saving vaccine and mask mandates. So newsflash, it's not even giving you all what you think it's supposed to give. Joining me now, Amy Hackstrom-Miller, president and CEO of Whole Woman's Health. Uh, she's the lead plaintiff challenging the Texas law and our pal Ellie Mastal, justice correspondent at The Nation. Amy, I'm so happy to have you with me this morning. Uh, you know, I know this judge issued this temporary um, uh, protection last night. Tell me what this means and what are your next steps? So this temporary protection um, basically blocks Texas right to life. Um, but it doesn't give us the kind of broad protection that we really need and that the people who are seeking abortion services really need. This blocks one organization, which I think is a great step in the right direction. This, these are the people that had that crazy uh, whistleblower site up on the Internet. And so it gives us some protection there. But Whole Woman's Health and all of the abortion funds and all of the other uh, providers in the state are seeking much broader justice than this. Uh, So again, here you go, the far leftists uh, telling you that if you own a firearm, basically, if you want to carry a firearm for self-defense, somehow you cannot be pro-life. You're a bad person if you carry a firearm. You're a bad person if you believe that the Second Amendment says what the actual Second Amendment actually says. And you cannot be pro-life unless you are pro-abortion. Her choice doesn't matter if it stops a beating heart. doesn't matter if the Texas bill understand the basis of this law. If, you, if the medical professionals, the doctor, if he or she can detect a fetal heartbeat under this new Texas law, then guess what? That's a living human being, and it must be protected by law. So somehow it's not pro-life to protect innocent life. This is what the left tells us. Now, they're largely against the death penalty. They're against you being able to defend yourself with a firearm, basically. 
They don't give a rat's you know what about unborn babies. Those aren't important. Those are all things that are expendable in America to these nutcases. Pretty sick, my friends. The left is either that far gone. And while we're uh, <clears throat> while we're talking about the left, uh, in the clip I played there from MSNBS, one of the guests you didn't hear him speaking uh, is named Eli Mustall. <clears throat> He's an editor at AboveTheLaw.com. Very far left wing, and he, if I played the whole thing, he went on a, uh, on an absolute, had a shit fit, basically. It's on the DailyGator.com from yesterday. You can see the whole video there <coughs> that I just played a, a bit from. But this guy is a absolute clown. And I'm not just talking about his ridiculous... A gigantic afro of white hair. I'm not talking about that. Whatever. However wants to do his hair. However stupid it makes him look. It's still not as stupid as he actually is. Now here is uh, my buddy Diogenes from Diogenes' Middle Finger. Who's a very uh, sarcastic commentator and blogger. And I appreciate this, this woman immensely. She is a national treasure, my friends. And I want you to hear some of what she said about Mr. Mustall because you might need a laugh today, and this is funny stuff. She writes, just as sure as leaves fall in the autumn breeze, when Democrats get butthurt, the crazies start jumping out of the trees. And speaking of crazies, the soft skulls at the Daily Beast tells us one of the craziest of the left, Eli Mustall, has come up with a dandy resolution to thwart the Texas abortion law. Shouldn't that be the evilest evil of the Texas abortion law? But his solution from the fertile mind of this nutcase, abortion trucks. For those who are not familiar with Mastal, he's now the wild-haired editor-at-large of the commie rag, The Nation. Uh, who was once kicked off MSNBS for being too crazy. When you get kicked off, NB, uh, off of MSNBS for being too crazy, you're crazy nuclear grade crazy, baby. I mean, you are crazier than the proverbial uh, pet coon. <clears throat> uh, but since George Floyd... The network has gone full tilt grievance industry uh, approved. Eli is allowed once again to spew his venom and pontificate about the dangers of whiteness. Again, he's a deeply racist, deeply, to me, he's mentally ill. There's no way a sane mind comes up with the garbage that comes out of this moron's mouth. Now, maybe he's just race pimping to make money. That's pretty likely because... That's a big business now. Uh, back to uh, Diogenes's middle finger here. She says, Mistal, explain to host Molly Jong-Fast on the latest episode of the Daily Beasts, the new abnormal podcast, uh, could uh, that 46, in other words, Joe Biden, the 46th president, could whip out his pen and actually order mobile abortion units to Texas to circumvent the new law. And yes, all the drivers of all these magic abortion trucks, uh, they they could indeed, uh, or would indeed be driven by drivers with much tinfoil on top of their heads, apparently. Uh, as Diogenes notes, these would be like ice cream trucks, but for killing babies. If Joe Biden, via executive order established let's call it a federal privacy commission, this is Ms. Dahl's words here, and hired a bunch of doctors and empowered them to drive throughout the country in a truck or a van, enforcing privacy rights, guess what? They'd be federal officials performing their duties and thus uh, through qualified immunity, immune from private civil actions, blah, 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 blah. Crazy. Of course, as this notes, there is the little matter of the Hyde Amendment, 
but the Democrats don't care about that. That amendment blocks federal funds from being used to provide abortions except to save a woman's life because your tax dollars shouldn't go to something that you abhor. And it is actually murder, as abortion is. Uh, that's why Mastal says real protections, uh, real protection for rights to kill the unborn would have to come from court packing. Because the Supreme Court and the judges in the Fifth Circuit who enable this law to go forward are a batshit crazy, in his words. A crazy person telling you you're crazy. That, of course, means that you are absolutely rock-solid sane. <clears throat> and so the circus, she writes, continues. A great piece by her. Great commentary. Always is. And, folks, this is... Uh, this is painful. It really is. Really is painful that uh, these people are that damn delusional. They really, really are. And now let's go over to campus reform. Campus reform goes around to college campuses. Ask college kids, many of which are not that bright, um, steeped in ignorance, deep in ignorance, knee deep in their ignorance, maybe shoulder deep for some of them. But she went, in this case, to University of Florida, this young lady did, Ophelia Jackson. And she, well, <laughs> she asked uh, Florida Gator students that uh, this question, uh, how should 911, have you been taught about 911A? And then what do you think? Should, should we teach uh, who was to blame for 9-11? You know, should we actually say it was a radical Islamist that committed the uh, incredibly evil act? of a murderous terrorism on 9-11 of 2001. Should we do that? Now, here is the audio of some of the questions. Go to, to see the entire video, go to campus reform, because she later, later asked them about uh, what, basically is America a great country or not. And you want, again, you will be appalled at the stupidity and idiocy of these students who don't want it taught that America is a great land. Have a listen, and then I'll come back with the, uh, the final segment. Hi, I'm Ophelia Jacobson with Campus Reform. Today I'm at the University of Florida talking with students about 9-11 and how it's being taught in the classroom. Many of these young Americans only know about 9-11 through history lessons and what they were told by their teachers because they were so young when it happened. So I want to see what students have to think about the way 9-11 is being portrayed in classrooms across the country. Let's get started. Did you learn a lot about 9-11 growing up in the classroom? Uh, not in the classroom, but on my own. I, like, kind of did my own little, like, research thing. No, I did not. Um, I'd say we learned a moderate amount. Um, I mean, they showed us, like, the videos, like, the basics. I didn't learn super specifics about it. I had, like, a whole unit where it was, like, two months worth of learning about it, which was a little strange. Yeah, definitely. My family is Bengali, so we're all Muslim, so it was a very, like, it's something we were very conscious of. When talking about 9-11, what do you think we should avoid? I think we should, like, avoid a lot of more gruesome facts. Avoid talking about its roots in Islam because that that was, a like, an extremist group. Um, I think that um, the 9-11 attack should be taught in a way that doesn't really target, like, more, like, who did it, but, like, more like how we can like move forward and like different like healing processes that we can go through to like make everything like you know good again so you don't think it's important to know who is responsible i do think it's important to know who is responsible but i also think it should be noted that like their religion is not the only thing avoiding kind of placing blame because when you get to the more like specific factors that were at play, you know, it kind of opens the opportunity for things like Islamophobia and ideas of American exceptionalism. There's a recent video that came out from the Virginia Department of Education that showcased an American University lecturer, and she basically said that when talking about 9-11, we should avoid talking about American exceptionalism. Would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. We definitely should, because we don't need, we don't need more nationalism in this country. We need more, like, Healthcare. I don't know. I think they should focus on America's faults, not like how amazing we are and how we need to be superior because we're not. I do agree with that. Had they gone in greater depth, it would have been extremely Americanized in terms of um, propagating this idea that our nation is the best no matter what. Um, 
I would agree that that should be avoided. I so there you go, my friends. There you go. Don't teach America's great. Don't teach America's the best. Don't teach American exceptionalism, for God's sakes. Don't teach anything positive about America. And don't teach anything negative about those who viciously attacked and slaughtered uh, 3,000 Americans. Yeah, unbelievable. The, the moral compass of these kids is, I mean, a lot of it's just stupidity and just not knowing anything. And listening to sound bites on TV and thinking that, yeah, that sounds good. I really hope these these students grow up and, and actually get a clue at some point. Uh, because it would be tragic if they continue to hold these idiotic ideas, my friends. Now, speaking of idiotic ideas, let's go to Skip Bayless. This is the first night of the NFL season. And, of course, if you listen to any talk show, a sports-related talk show these days, on ESPN, on Fox, pretty much anywhere, <laughs> or many, many of these podcasts, uh, I think Marcellus Wiley on Fox, he has one, I forget the name of the show, uh, but phenomenal. He does a good job. He actually is an intelligent person that makes really intelligent points. The rest of it is is a bunch of gesticulating morons, knuckle draggers, who who pretend they spend hour, two hours, however long it is, pretending they're really smart and that the issues they're screaming and railing about and ranting about and hyperventilating over really matter. But a lot of it is just hearsay. It's gossip. I'd expect that from The View and the idiots on that panel. But for serious people talking serious issues about sports, let's be honest. Sports opinions are fine. But so much of it, again, is just over-the-top gesticulating, virtue signaling. And did you hear what I said? I'm the first one that said that. Therefore, I, I am the get real genius here. And... <clears throat> the latest outrageously outrageous outrage comes from an NFL. Apparently, last week, former New England Patriots linebacker Rob Ninkovich made some jaw-dropping remarks about Cam Newton's stint with the franchise on the Dan and Minko Show podcast. Uh, Ninkovich claimed that Patriots rookie quarterback Mac Jones helped Newton learn the team's playbook this offseason. Now, for those who don't know, Cam Newton has been released. He's a free agent. Uh, <clears throat> there's a lot to indicate to me that Cam Newton is not that smart. Uh, very flashy guy, very talented. Uh, but New England released him. So there, there must be something there because the guy coaching the Patriots – yeah, that guy, Bill Belichick, he has six rings as a head coach, Super Bowl rings, and he has another two as a defensive coordinator for the Giants. So he's been a really good coach. He's one of the best. Right now, he is one of the best in sports, period. So Cam is no longer a Patriot. The rookie from Alabama, Mac Jones, beat him out, and I'm not surprised. And there's been questions about Cam, for me anyway. You see him after the game in the press conferences with the idiotic hats and the, what the hell are you wearing? It, some of it's like, did Aunt Jemima have a fire sale, a garage sale? Did uh, you buy some of Liberace's old clothes and make a hat? But anyway, whatever, that's, that's neither here nor there. The guy wants to have his personality and his flair. Good for him, man. Nothing, no problem with it. But Ninkovich said, I got some inside sources now. I won't say names. But from what I gained from sources inside the actual building. So the sources were actually inside an actual building? Wow. That's Virtue Signaling Hall of Fame stuff right there, Ninkovich. Uh, Mac was basically helping Cam learn the playbook. Well, look, if you got a starting quarterback who's going into his, I guess, second year with you and your rookie you just drafted is teaching him your the playbook, yeah, that would indicate your starting quarterback needs to go. And I guess that's what happened. I don't know. And I don't know the veracity of the story. 
it could have been exaggerated. It could be completely BS. Who knows? So many people, again, in sports talk, they pretend to know things they don't. And they just, they want to create controversy and buzz. And that's it. And they don't care about facts too often. And no, I'm not accusing Mr. Minkovich of doing that. I'm smart enough to know that you don't piss off an ex-linebacker. Uh, but during a, di a previous episode of the show called Undisputed on Fox Sports 1, Skip Bayless, who is a loudmouth sports idiot, as is his co-host on the show, a legendary, one of the greatest tight ends ever played, Shannon Sharp, <clears throat> an absolute physical freak, and a very entertaining guy as a player who has some of the wokest, stupidest political opinions you've ever heard. And Skip Bayless just likes to irritate people. He throws things out there to create buzz. He's all about flash. All flash, no cash. Although I'm sure the overpaid idiot has plenty of cash. Uh, <clears throat> but basically, that's what he is. And this is an unwatchable show. If you've ever tried, completely unwatchable to me anyway. Uh, but Bayless had this to say. And I'm not going to yell and scream like his head's on fire like he does. These remarks from Ninkovich, I have respect for him because he was there. He did this at the highest level. But these remarks left a bad taste in my mouth because all of a sudden it is open season on Cam Newton, Bayless said. And it is because Bill Belichick cut him. So all bets are off. Let it fly. Come on. Come on. Line up on. Pile on with every little bit. The hell did he just say? Does anyone know? Does he even know? No, because Skip Bayless sucks. How he got to where he is is beyond me. He's nothing but a loudmouth idiot. And yet people pay him to talk about things he doesn't understand. At least he doesn't scream like Stephen A. Smith does all the time. <coughs> but... um. Bayless doesn't know this stuff. Hell, Minkovich might not even know. But again, sports talk. Going completely overboard. Bayless concluded, I have no way of knowing whether this is true or not, but it seems a little overstated, a little exaggerated. The Mac Jones was teaching Cam the playback after Cam was there all out last year. I'm sorry, I don't think Cam's an idiot. I don't either. I think you are, Mr. Bayless. I think you're a carnival barker. But, uh, Again, this is what gets so many sports fans so fired up. Nothing but drama queens. Biggest problem with sports today, drama queen fans. Every pass a quarterback throws, for instance, a quarterback could, could have his team play terrible. His running backs fumble. People drop passes. Defense can't stop everybody. They're down 28 to 10 going into fourth quarter. Your quarterback could catch fire, throw two touchdown passes in the last seven minutes of a game. You're only down 28-24 now. You get the ball back. There's a minute and a half left. He's out of timeouts. He drives your team down to the 10-yard line. And finally, with one, what, two, three seconds left, one play left, field goal does you no good. You got to go for the the interception or the uh, the touchdown, rather. So he, he, he gets under pressure immediately. He scrambles. He keeps the play alive, keeps it alive. Zings a pass to the end zone where your tight end has it hit him right between the eight and the eight. And he pops the ball up and gets intercepted. And guess what these sports geniuses will do? They'll say your quarterback choked. No reality there, my friends. And that's why I really don't listen to sports talk and why I really don't ever get into sports very heavily here. Because there's just so much stupidity. And now let's look at a cancelization. A cancellation, not a cancelization. I'm making up words again. Uh, according to Newsbusters, canceled. Gaming company CEO, quote, stepped down after a backlash over his pro-life stance. Oh, my God. You mean you think human babies with heartbeats growing inside their mother with their own blood type, their own DNA, their own fingers, toes, organs? You think that's a that's a human being? God, you Neanderthal. Follow the science. 
That's what the left says, right? And this is Alexander Hall writing at Newsbusters. Apparently, even the highest-ranking members of a company can be purged for condemning the murder of the unborn. And for those of you who are aghast that someone would say the unborn baby that has its own DNA, its own blood type, is has a beating heart, is growing, moving around inside the mother, kicking. If you think it's outrageous for someone to claim that baby to be a living human being, that's a you problem. That's a problem between you and your disconnect and reality. That's you denying truth and not following the science. Okay? So wise up. Get your knuckles off the ground. They're starting to bleed from you dragging them. And accept it. Abortion is wrong. Period. Thank you. Now back to the story. Uh, Tripwire Interactive said that its CEO has stepped down after his purported Twitter account caused outrage by making a pro-life stance. Well, when you claim, you make a claim and you say abortion is wrong on, on Twitter where all the brilliant people are, if they're not in sports talk, they're on Twitter being outrageously outraged over outrageously outrageous outrageous. It's really when they're only happy is when they are outrageously outraged over an outrageously outrageous outrage. And someone's got to get canceled. Multiple people need to be canceled. America sucks. Everybody sucks. People got to pay. You know, some actress wears a, uh, wears a kimono at home. Well, that's Japanese cultural appropriation. You don't need to make any movies anymore. Your career needs to be destroyed. This is the mentality of these douchebags. The only people stupider than them are the idiots that came into them and the idiots that give them what they want. Uh, Tripwire CEO John Gibson uh, purported account declared on September the 4th. This could be outrageous, my friends. If you hadn't figured out about outrageously outrageous outrages they can be outrageous at times and you probably should hide the kids the kittens the cats uh even fully grown dogs even if it's a rottweiler or something because this could outrage your whole home but he declared on twitter on september the 4th that he was proud of hashtag uss supreme court or u.s supreme court affirming the Texas law banning abortion for babies with a heartbeat. He explained further that while as an entertainer, I don't get political often, he felt uh, it was important to go on the record as a pro-life game developer amid an overwhelmingly liberal industry. Companies responded by distancing themselves or even reportedly reportedly severing ties and contracts with Tripwire all over the expressed opinion of the former Tripwire interactive CEO. <clears throat> Why can't people just leave politics out of it? Okay. He said something political, but if he's doing a good job for you, you got a good business relationship. Why do you care what a bunch of idiots on Twitter say? Keep going. I mean, you, you, are they really this outraged over it? No, it's virtue signaling. <clears throat> it's cowards trying to keep the wolves of wokeness away from their door as long as they can. And they should know by now that one day they'll slip up, say something, tweet something, put something on Facebook, and they'll be canceled too. You don't beat these woke wolves by coddling them. Okay, you don't do that. Metaphorically, you get rid of the wolves. Metaphorically, look the word up. Cancel culture, kids. Read, have an adult read the definition to you metaphorically. I didn't call for anyone to be done away with. Again, look up metaphor. A CEO stepping down after a public outrage all too often is an indicator that they were forced to resign. 
Forbes reported that former Mozilla Firefox CEO Brandon Ike, or Ike perhaps, was forced to resign after his donation to California's Proposition 8 uh, in 2008 became public. Uh, Tropewire released a statement declaring that Gibson's pro-life statement had somehow disregarded the values of our whole team, our partners, and much of our broader community. It also claimed that our leadership team at Tripwire are deeply sorry and are un, uh, and are unified, rather, in our commitment to take swift action and to foster a more positive environment. So respecting human life is not positive? Really? Well, you're sorry because someone else said, someone else that you have a business relationship with said that they're pro-life. And you're you're apologizing because of someone else's opinion. That's cowardice. And again, it is uh, completely ridiculous. Um, and if if being pro life, if being for human life, being sacred and preserved and saved, is somehow uh, disregards the values of your whole team and your partners and much of your broader community. You need Jesus. Yeah, really. Uh, very sad, my friends. This is really pathetic. And finally, a uh, a uh, soundbite from CNN, and uh, then I'll have a little commentary, and then I'm done for the day, okay? I'm just telling you, pay attention. This is uh, This may get me a little angry on the other side, but consider... Consider this uh, this little sound bite here from uh, an idiot on CNN. Former President Trump denouncing the removal of the towering statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee in Richmond yesterday, which stood as the biggest Confederate statue in the nation. In addition to referring to the Confederate general as a, quote, unifying force, he also said, if we only had Robert E. Lee to command our troops in Afghanistan, that disaster would have ended in a complete and total victory many years ago. What an embarrassment we are suffering because we don't have the genius of a Robert E. Lee. He's conflating several things that have nothing to do with each other. The idea of the statue removal and Robert E. Lee and the Confederate statues, and then, and then inserting that into our, our sort of debate over our Afghanistan withdrawal, and these things have nothing to do with each other. <clears throat> he does know that there is a constituency out there that romanticizes Robert E. Lee, that romanticizes the Confederacy. You know, if only we had more troops, if only you know, we could have had the utopia of the Confederacy. I mean, he, know, he knows there's a, con a constituency for that out there. And he knows that people are mad at Biden over Afghanistan. So you take two things that are unrelated and you stick them into the same into the same deal. Humbly, as a political strategy, I would just offer this ain't it. You know, Joe Biden is really struggling right now. His approval ratings are down. I personally think he's he's having a, a disastrous presidency and it's it's on the downward swing. But sort of saying if only we had more Robert E. Lee, it would save us from Joe Biden is not, is not the way to put another Republican in the White House. Well, how about that, my friends? The noted war between the state's expert Scott Jennings thinks that Robert E. Lee was a bad guy, that he should not be idolized or looked up to uh, or given as an example of anything positive. And he's angry because Trump basically said something that's very true. Uh, and the CNN host John Berman, the same thing. Uh, apparently, you, cannot, you can no longer say that Robert E. Lee was a great general. You know, I remember 20 years ago, maybe, probably less. I remember two people on uh, CNN debating something about the war between the states. And and uh, the, the liberal was Bill Press. I don't know if he's still with us or not. But he was making a point about Lee and the Confederacy. And he referenced Nazis and fascists and, and World War II. And the person debating him, I believe, was Pat Buchanan, I, I believe. But he challenged press and said, are you saying that you comparing Robert E. Lee 
to Nazis. And Press said, no, 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 of course not. I wouldn't do that. And, and then he went on to say good things about Lee. That's just 20 years ago, maybe even less. <clears throat> and suddenly, we've gone from there in a very, very short period of time to where you can't even say Lee was a good general. They'll come get you. They will cancel you. They'll cancel your whole family. And this ties in because of the absurdity of the thing Scott Jennings said, uh, the conflation he was talking about. His problem isn't conflation. His problem is constipation of the mind because he's speaking on historical matters, historical figures that clearly he doesn't have a freaking clue about. <clears throat> it's a horrifically sad and pathetic day in America when so many people cheered his statue getting taken down in Richmond. And you notice uh, Berman on CNN Oh, it was a towering monument, the biggest in the country to a Confederate. Oh, my God. Uh, Lee was a good and noble man. <laughs> the fact is, <clears throat> Berman also expect, expressed outrage, outrage that anyone would say Lee was a unifying figure. Clearly, he's not read anything about Lee after the war between the states or before the war between the states. After the war, Lee urged, as anybody who would listen and believe me, <clears throat> there may not be one man, one figure that had more influence at one period of time than Robert E. Lee after the war between the states. And he urged people, sign your oath to the United States, be loyal, be good Americans, we're all Americans again, do your duty. Let's bring the country together. Let's unify the country and let's move on. He also wanted good things for black Americans after the war. He wanted education for them. He wanted them to be free of slavery. He wanted that to be advanced. And it's hard to say what Lee would have done because he only lived uh, about five years after the war, uh, five and a half years roughly, uh, till he passed away from a stroke, I believe. At the age of 63, uh, Lee didn't die in battle in the war, but basically it probably can be said that he uh, was killed during the war. It just took a while longer than the war's length. Uh, before the war, what did Lee do? He went and he said, look, I, he offered command of the Union Army. <clears throat> and he said, it, it, save for... Defense of Virginia, my home, I will never draw my sword again. I'm paraphrasing. Lee freed his slaves, who were actually his father-in-law's slaves, as soon as he could, by according to the will of his, his father-in-law. Uh, men like Jeb Stewart, noted a Calvary genius in the Confederacy, freed his slaves before the war. Stonewall Jackson freed his before the war. Stonewall Jackson also in Lexington, Virginia. Uh, he taught at VMI, but he also ran a Sunday school, which was against Virginia law, by the way, teaching blacks free and slave to read. He did so because he cared about them as people, human beings with souls. He didn't like slavery either. He knew it would end one day. And Jackson and Stewart, who I referenced, and many, many other Southerners, prominent Southerners, many who became generals, uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest freed his slaves. He said, hey, I believe it was 44 he had. He said, you come serve with me. You come fight with me. After the war, you're free. And Forrest's exact words were, again, paraphrasing a little bit, but if the, when the war is over, if the North wins, you'll probably be free anyway. If we win, if our side wins, I'll make sure you're free. And after the war, what did Forrest say about these men, the ones that survived the war? 42 survived the war. He said, better Confederates did not live. Again, extremely misunderstood individual for us because people lie about what we, quote, know about Fort Pillow. 
and they lie about certain aspects of Forrest's life. Uh, as in the story of him killing a black man with an axe after the war. That is true. But they don't do what Paul Harvey would have urged, the great Paul Harvey. They don't tell the rest of the story. The rest of the story is this man was a sharecropper, had a wife. He would get drunk. He would spend money on his booze, not his family, not his wife. And he would go home and and begin to be verbally and eventually physically abusive to his wife. Forrest was heard this one time, went and told the man, you don't hit women, you don't abuse your wife, and told him, don't let it happen again. And Forrest was a person who had a penchant for always supporting the weaker in a fight. And he would call people out. He was not a man to trifle with at all. So a little while later, it happens again. And Forrest burst into man's door. Here's the wife screaming. She's being beaten. And he says, no, this is this ends. This is over. This man who's just drunkenly beating his wife likely would have killed her, if not that day, someday, grabs his axe, comes after Forrest. They struggle. Forrest takes the axe from the man and, yes, then buried it in his head. So the rest of the story paints a very different picture of Forrest, doesn't it? Also is the fact that Forrest, after the war, became very good friends with black Southerners. Told him a very uh, a famous event with the with what they call the pole bearers. They were kind of sort of the, I guess, pre-runner, precursor to the NAACP. When it was actually a a a good organization doing actually good things instead of a big uh victimization group just getting fat and rich off of uh pretending to be victims and embittering black people but forrest gave a speech and he said we're all brothers we're sisters we come from the same land we need to work together he changed he was a, an extremely changed man by the end of his life and he gave credit for that to his wife and to his wife bringing him to religion christianity But you have to actually study these people to know them. In Lee's case, before the war, he said, look, I'm never going to draw my sword again. He he resigned his commission. These idiots say he was a traitor. He retired. He resigned his commission from the military. And he said, I'm going home to Virginia. I'm going to stay where I, I live, there in Arlington, and I'm done. And save in defense of my land, Virginia, I will never again draw my sword. And eventually, Lincoln called for volunteers, 75,000. At that point, Virginia, their governor, John Lecter, wanted to remain out of it. At that point, they seceded along with Arkansas, North Carolina, and Tennessee. Remember, those four states did not secede. They all voted against secession, stayed in the Union. They were happy in the Union. They didn't want to leave. They wanted the other states to be left alone, and they all refused to give volunteers to go suppress states that they believed had a right to secede. Whether they did or didn't is a different matter. It was a principled stand. And guess what, folks? If Lee, uh, rather if Virginia had not left the Union, if they just stayed in and said, we're just, leave us alone, <coughs> And then the the Confederate Army would have marched into Virginia, invaded Virginia, and tried to make Virginia join the Confederacy. What did Lee promise? And Lee was a man of his word. What did Lee promise? He would never again draw his sword except to defend his home, Virginia. It's very likely that a monument taken down in Richmond yesterday would have been to a Robert E. Lee who defended Virginia from a Confederate invasion. People never talk about that. They just, today, the idiots, you know, with some college education, most of which is bad, and really haven't, it had never studied Lee 
they think, including some conservatives, think it's really cool to say, yeah, it was all about slavery and nothing but slavery. And Lee was a white supremacist and hated black people. Completely untrue. Different time, different attitude. But there was this incredible unifying voice of Lee after the war. And he would have done what he could to keep war from happening before the war. <clears throat> same with Jackson. Same with Stewart. If Virginia had remained in the Union and the Confederate Army had come to Virginia to go through Virginia to get to Washington, D.C. to take the U.S. Capitol, if that had happened, men like Stewart and Jackson and Lee, all who had incredibly wonderful, beautiful, magnificent monuments to them on uh, Monument Avenue in Richmond, Virginia, until this past year. All those men would have fought against those Confederate soldiers coming in. They were forced into war. And they did what so many people can't fathom today because duty was life then. If you had no sense of duty and you didn't accept your duty when it called, you were worthless at that point in our nation's history. But instead of teaching that and learning and keeping monuments up, or instead of at least giving a vote to the people, and we know why the Democrats didn't give a vote, because they lose every time. Every time it's, it's up to a vote, almost every time. The people of the state, city, county, whatever it is, say, no, we don't want our flag changed. We don't want those monuments removed. We don't want those things to happen. We want to remember our history. Good, bad, better, worse, and ugly. Sadly, though, we don't do that anymore. <clears throat> now the left just says, we're going to do this. And then you have the idiot governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, Saying that uh, it was uh, it, the, 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 the statue of Lee, the monument was, oh, it was, it was so long after the war. It was 25 years after the war. It was erected. And yes, those statues across the South, monuments, memorials to Confederate soldiers, many of them, so many of them standing on courthouse lawns across various southern cities <coughs> and counties. They're just monuments to soldiers, kids many times, farm boys, so many of them who lost their lives. The same as the southern boys deserve monuments from Indiana, Ohio, Wisconsin, Michigan, you name it. Likewise, those from Virginia, North and South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, they deserve their monuments. They were farm boys. And I urge you to get the book by James McPherson. Uh, why they fought. And he goes through thousand le uh, letters of Confederate soldiers and Union soldiers. And overwhelmingly, and James McPherson's not a, a pro-Southern or pro-Confederate uh, historian. You'll find those in reading books about the war. You'll find pro-Northern, pro-Southern. Every once in a while, you'll find someone completely neutral. Uh, but McPherson writes about what, why they fought from their letters, from their words that they pinned to send back home. And it was for uh, to preserve the Union, overwhelming for Northern soldiers. For the Southern soldiers, it was, well, you're down here. They're down here. They're on our land. They're trying to force us, force the state back into the Union that, the, that we don't want to be in anymore. To them, they were fighting a second American revolution. It was principles and not concerned with slavery. That wasn't even really an issue. Even the North said it wasn't an issue until the middle of the war. Now, of course, the best thing to come out of the war with the United States was the ending of the, the evil of, of slavery. That's clear to see. But to say the war was only about slavery and ignore all the other issues like tariffs and principles of state sovereignty, were the states subjects of the federal government or were the states 
in charge of their own destiny in many cases. How to interpret the Constitution. Incredible wealth of, of great debate and discussion to have, but instead, we just have a bunch of idiots on one side screaming racism, discrimination, blah, 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 and you have monuments being taken down. And it's gotten to the point now where monuments of Lincoln, the 54th Massachusetts, uh, General Grant, General Sherman, they're going down too. Why? Frederick Douglass. I saw a video back last summer of a, a man doing living history dressed as Frederick, Frederick Douglass getting absolutely uh, assaulted verbally by a bunch of little Antifa-type thugs. And he's just trying to get them to listen. This is about history. History. You've heard of Booker T. Washington. One of the great civil rights leaders this country's ever seen, the world's ever seen. There's a, from his papers, there's a woman wrote him a letter about a, putting a Confederate monument up. <clears throat> and he thanks her for the letter and says it's a very important matter to him, and he's going to try to find people to raise money to put up Confederate monument. Booker T. Washington. He wanted reconciliation between and, and reunification of the country. All those Confederate monuments that were put up were put up as an olive branch to the South to say, you can honor your heroes. They were heroic. They were gallant. They were brave. They were valiant. They fought like hell for what they, they believed in. And to reunify the country, presidents like Grover Cleveland ordered the battle, the Confederate battle flags that have been captured by Union troops. He ordered them return to the, the different states. And that's why you can see them today in monuments uh, and museums all over the place. And you can see these actual battle flags with the bullet holes and tatters, some of them. And I'm sure, yes, stained with blood from soldiers who died for what they believed in, who were overwhelmingly honorable people on both sides, brave, gallant soldiers. And you know who would really be upset over this if they could come back? You would find that a lot of Union soldiers would be outraged over what's being done to Confederate monuments and other symbols of the struggle, the war between the states. Because you really can't show disrespect and ugliness to one side without doing it to the other, my friends. And what happened in Richmond yesterday and what happened the past year, gallant, brave, good men who are great examples in many ways are now treated as uh, as if they're carrying a plague. <clears throat> That's not good for this country. That's not good at all. <clears throat> Grant, Lee, many others on both sides worked like hell to bring the country back together after the war, after Appomattox. And now you have people doing their damnedest to tear it apart. God help us. God help us see the idiocy of cheering the Lee Monument being taken apart. Probably never to be seen again. I don't understand it. And these people cheering, and the same people will tell you, now that that's done, we can get on to more important issues. Politicians activist why aren't you handling the more important things now because that doesn't get your picture in the paper or your name that doesn't give you more power does it and it doesn't help anybody but you don't care because you're about pushing yourself and your agenda more than you are about helping people again shameful and that's it for me my friends god bless you God bless all the descendants of those brave soldiers, blue and gray. God bless this country. And yes, my friends, morning, noon, night, whenever you listen to this podcast, I deeply appreciate it. Whenever you read the delegator.com, the delegator uh, blog, thank you. If you want to contribute, go to the delegator.com. First post, hit the buy now button, goes to my PayPal page. 
If you want to be a subscriber and monthly supporter financially to the Daily Gator Daily Thought Podcast, which you're listening to now, you can go to uh, Anchor at Spotify, Hagen. It'll take you to my page, and you can set up uh, to give whatever you wish to give each month and be a subscriber. Thank you if you do that. Of course, I'll always take money in envelopes under my welcome mats, front or back porch. Thank you, my friends. God bless. Enjoy the football game tonight. I'm not boycotting the NFL yet. I'm not going to take all the joy out of my life to to do something I don't think is really going to really going to hurt anybody on the left. The NBA, I'm done with, but uh, the NFL, no, I don't think most players support the garbage. But anyway, Bucks, Cowboys, college football coming up, Gators. This weekend, have a game. They're playing the University of South Florida. I lived for several years about walking distance to the campus of University of South Florida. Me and a buddy used to go uh, play uh, ping pong, table tennis, in their little rec center there. And, of course, we tried to score with the hot University of South Florida babes who attended there. And, uh, yeah, our track record was pretty, pretty dismal, I think, yeah. Oh, the dreams of young men, so often squashed by that hottie in a nice sweater. God bless you all, my friends. Take care. Be good to yourself. Say your prayers. Take your vitamins. All those things that Hulk Hogan used to tell you to do. Take care. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Be good to one another, will you? Now go do something fun, knuckleheads. Go play some table tennis and try to flirt with a college girl. Nah. Yeah. See how you like striking out again and again. God bless you, my friends. Take care. Have a fun day.